Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Selective Hearing. I am your host, Julie DeMar, and this week I am with special guest John... Sovac. Sovac, yes. Okay, I always do that. Look, the guests tell me their name before I hit record, and I still have a hard time with that, but I'm getting better. So anyway, today we are going to be talking about what it means to be intentional as a parent. And John is going to go through what his book is about, because yes, he has a book and we're going to talk about it. So to all my fans out there that say there's no book on parenting, here is another episode with another book on parenting. So please understand that there are tools and resources for us all to help us navigate through any area of parenting where we need support. I'm going to give John the floor and he's going to tell us about himself. He's going to tell us about his book and he is going to tell us how to be very intentional as parents and also how to be very intentional as parents to our children in the LBTQIA community. John, the floor is all yours. Oh, thank you so much. It's so great to chat with you and join all your listeners today. So yeah, my name is John Sovak. I am a therapist out here in Pasadena, California, and I specialize in working with LGBTQIA plus kids and their families during the coming out process. This is work that I've been doing for quite a while. I'm an openly queer man myself, so that influences my approaches towards therapy. And I realized that so many of my parents kept hitting the same, you know, roadblocks in trying to be supportive of their kids. So I took the last couple of years and put together a book which I'm really incredibly proud of. It's called Out, A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. And the reason we added the beyond, because my publisher was just like, no, this is a lifetime of support that these kids are going to need from their families. And let's face it, for any parent, you know, supporting your kid when they come out, it's a huge process for all of you. Well, my kids are very young. Uh, they're they're two and five. But what really like stuck out to me was during our pre-interview, and we were talking about my boys. One of them even jumped on camera. He wanted to be on the show that day. Um, With dinosaurs, it was it, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was ready. Look, I promise, like, I think that my kids, they're so creative. They definitely have a career in something. If it's in front of the camera or behind the camera, wherever it is, like, they will be putting their skills to good use. I can just see it now. But what I took away from our interview and when I walked away was like, would I, I love my kids so much, everybody. And you probably know this because you hear about it and about them in every episode. Would I support my children? How would I support my children? Would I treat my children any differently if my kid came to me and was coming out and like all day i was just like absolutely not like i love my boys so much and i support them like everything about me is supportive of my children in every single way and it's like could i be a mom that just turned that off well and, that's and i can't i think so difficult for a lot of parents is you know even contemplating that moment and you know the minute that kid was born and you looked into their eyes there was like a lifelong bond that was created and this is just another step in that journey of your kid growing up and becoming who they are and i constantly remind parents of that they have just told you another facet of who they are and what may be making you anxious or upset is because you don't necessarily understand what they're sharing, but they are still that same beautiful, wonderful being that you gave birth to. They're right there. What inspired you to help parents? We all have like these missions and purpose that we pursue in life, but what specifically said, I'm going to help parents? <laughs> well, I would say it's a combination of helping the whole family and <laughs> helping parents. Um, because what happens so often, and even in families that are incredibly affirming and supportive, 
a kid, when they're ready to come out, it is one of the most anxiety producing moments in their life. They are, their little hearts are beating, their palms are sweating, they're, they're anxious. And the thing that happens in that moment is they are turning to you as a parent, looking for you to say, it's okay. And so by creating a space where parents can be a little bit more educated, a little bit more open, a little bit more affirming, address their own fears about what this might mean, then they can be that really beautiful, powerful, you know, affirming parent. You know, in that coming out moment, this is the one piece of advice I give every single parent. It's in the book. It's in every conversation I have. When your kid sits down with you and comes to you and says, I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm trans, I'm non-binary. When they come out to you, the most important thing you can do as a parent in that moment is to open your arms, hug them tight and say, I love you. Now you may have be having all kinds of feeling inside yourself, but if you can step beyond all of that and just open your arms and let your kid know that they are loved, you are gonna set an incredible foundation going forward for any of the bumps in the road that may occur during the rest of the coming out process. So this is not in my notes, but like just listening to that, like what has been a story that has affected you the most with a family that you are helping? So I had a family that had some very strong religious beliefs in their family. They, they held them very tightly. It was part of the fabric, the core of who they were. And the kid was incredibly afraid to come out um, even though it's it a very supportive family. When they did come out, I had a meeting with the parents and they really hit this moment of like, it is so hard for us to match our faith with our support of our child right now. We don't know what to do with that. One of the techniques that I, I give parents in that moment is what I want you to do is I want you to go somewhere incredibly quiet and I want you to open up your heart to your God. And I want you to ask them, not your preacher, not your rabbi, not another fellow church member, but I want you to ask your God that you know, what do I do for my child? And what happens in that moment is every time I've done this with a parent, they come back and say, the message I got back was to love my child. And that to me is the powerful touching moment where we can go get through all that noise in our brain as a parent and step back into the heart of the matter. And so that to me was one of those just beautiful, powerful moments. And I find that it's, it's a really affirming approach with parents who do hold a very strong religious belief system. I am so happy that you went there. I have a, a large faith-based following. So I'm, I'm so glad that you went there because like, and I'm open on the show about my faith, but I'm also open about love. And I feel like everything in our life needs to come from a place of love. And if it truly and genuinely comes from that place, then you won't turn people away or harm people. You're not going to put yourself in, in, in crazy situations. No, I don't feel like this is a situation where I feel like people should be identifying as a crazy dangerous situation for me what is crazy and dangerous in a situation is like turning your child away and having them be in a situation where they're going to go look for that love and acceptance that you did not give them and the support that you did not give them somewhere else that's where things can get meaty and seedy and dangerous people <laughs> because you know everyone doesn't have the best intentions for your children. Well, um, part of my spiritual philosophy is in every moment in life when you approach things, we can either approach them from love or from fear. And usually if we're approaching something from fear, it's about our own stuff. 
It's our, about our own lack of knowledge. It's about our own anxieties. So if we can sit with those moments and figure out what is it I'm most afraid of in this moment, then we can transmit back into this love approach. And especially with your LGBTQIA kids, in the world that we live in right now, what they need more than anything else is absolute love absolute total unconditional affirming love flowing from you flowing from the extended family flowing from the community that's what these kids need most of all to become these powerful wonderful people that they can become i agree with you 100 i think it's because i'm very intentional in the way that i parent like there's so many words for a gentle parenting conscious parenting oh you know like intentional parenting are you aware of who you are and what you want for your children and how you're going to achieve that. And so that's why I really love this aspect of parenting because like we don't talk about it. And then a lot of things that we hear are so negative. And I kind of spoke about that with you during our pre-interview. Everyone I said to John, I said, I don't know what to do with this because I've never had it brought to me before. And it's not something that, you know, I, I've thought about at all, but being a parent, like I said, that day when I walked away from our, our conversation, I was thinking about it, like I'm a mom and I, I want the best for my kids. I love my kids to the end of the world. Like, what would I do? And like, it was a no brainer. Like, I'm gonna be there for my kids. And mm -hmm. then it was like, there's not even anything, it's not up for discussion. Like I'm going to continue to support them and love them the way that I do today. Everyone's not like me. And there is, in addition to the noise in our, tight-knit communities or our social circles there's just a lot of noise in general in the world like social media the media like there's so many people out there who in my opinion like myself they just don't know what it is and instead of being brave enough to say like hey I don't know I don't know can you help me understand more they find other things that support their bias or support their fears and help drive them in certain directions. So what do you have to say about that? Because I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to kind of address the negative and help reframe and reshape some mindsets to walk towards positive. Well, I think the first thing too is, you know, the name of this, this podcast and your thing is Selective Hearing. I would encourage that anytime you're on social media, you need to put on that selective hearing cap. You need to understand where this information is coming from, why it might be coming from, and how you may be purposely being manipulated by it. Um, as a parent, you're constantly gonna be bombarded with all kinds of ways that you're supposed to do it best. And for me, it's usually about simplifying the messages. You know, right now in the world we live in, the LGBTQIA plus community has become this like vitriolic hate. We, we, we throw all this negative energy towards it. And it's unfortunate because if you just meet me and meet my community, you will understand that we are loving, beautiful, powerful, wonderful people. And so when you see messages that bring up fear in you as a parent, I would say pause, notice where the fear is coming from, and then see if you can seek out some information that might say, oh, this thing that I'm being told, you know, about this particular thing actually is something that I need to pay attention to. Or, wow, this meme that I thought that really fired me up, this is not actually true or factual or doesn't apply to this loving kid I have right here across from me. So we need to be really purposeful in how we filter information. And yeah, it takes work. It does. And I'm like anybody else. Sometimes I'll see a meme on my social media and I get all riled up, you know, and I need to just reel myself in, take a breath and also realize where my energy matters. 
Because ultimately, as a parent, where does your energy matter most? In your family. Especially if your kids are small people. You need all your energy. <laughs> all of it. Look, <laughs> this is so off topic. I get gift cards all the time for gifts. And um, I just got a Starbucks gift card that I can't wait to use because like I was, yeah, parenting coffee is like hand in hand. I want to get into like intentional parenting and um, as it relates to your book and the importance of being just as intentional with your LGBTQIA plus. I heard you say plus, so I'm gonna make sure I say that now because I did not know in the beginning. Um, plus children as you are with your children. Like these are still your kids. So what I would suggest is the first part is getting some most basic information. There's lots of language, like even LGBTQIA plus, people are hearing that was like, what in the world is that thing that they keep saying? And in my book, especially, the first two chapters are just about the language that you as a parent might need to use and understand because it's to connect with your kid. Words that they're using, you know, someone's non-binary, someone's bisexual, someone's asexual. So having that most basic level of knowledge is the first place that you can really prepare yourself for any of your kids. Because here's the thing that I think is really cool these days is when you and I grew up, maybe we just accepted, you know, okay, there's male and female, there's straight and gay, that's all there is, yay, that's what we've been told by the world. Kids today are questioning all of that. They're questioning attractions, they're questioning gender identity. And I personally think that's an incredibly powerful place to be. So for you as a parent to be intentional in supporting an LGBTQIA plus kid, you need to also educate yourself. And that right there is gonna be the first step. So whether it's through my book or looking on the PFLAG website, which is Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, they're an international organization that is a really amazing parent support resource. They've got great things there that are really easy to access so that you can once again, educate yourself. The next thing to be an intentional parent of an LGBTQIA plus kid is to look at the fact that you potentially as a straight cisgender parent are not part of the journey that your kid is on. So what I mean by that, being born a young kid, a gay kid, I look up at my parents, they're both straight, they're both cisgender. And so my minority status is not represented in the family unit. So that's a really big thing for parents to be aware of is you are going to need to make an effort to understand what your kid is sharing with you because you do not have the lived experience of it. And they are living that experience every day. And I find it's amazing, you know, when it comes to parenting, they get all like locked up about like, well, you know, my older kid, I treat him this way, but then my younger kid came out as gay and I don't know how to treat them. And it's just like, well, we could look at treating them very similarly and then also understanding the differences that may come up. So don't panic as a parent. That's another way to be intentional in your parenting. Let go of that panic. And the biggest thing that I tell parents all the time, I do this work every day, okay? I'm constantly working with people. I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of teaching. I, I, I train and sometimes I mess up and guess what? It's okay. It is okay. You don't have to be a perfect parent in this. What you can do in a moment, let's say your kid has come out as trans and you accidentally misgender them. Take a breath, apologize, promise to do better and move on because we are all human beings. We are flawed and you're going to make some mistakes. And yes, your kid's going to blow up at you about it and you're going to breathe and you're gonna try and do better the next time. Just like anything else. <laughs> Just like anything else. Just like when your kid throws a tantrum for the 27th time in the day and your patience isn't there anymore and you yell. And then you circle back around and you say, hey, you know what? 
Mommy was wrong to yell at you. And I am sorry. And I'm going to do better. Mm -hmm. I feel like there is absolutely no difference here. Mm -hmm. It's just, it just, do you want to do it or not? Like, but there is absolutely no difference here. I want to talk about safe spaces because you mentioned earlier, like, hey, you know, when your kid comes to you, just hug them. If you don't know what to do, just hug them and say, I love you. That action alone creates such a safe space and opens the door for mm -hmm. your child to do so many things and communicate so many different things to you from that point on. So circling back to that, I would like to ask you, like, how can we, in addition to that, as parents, create safe spaces for our children to communicate with us what they need to feel supported by us? I would suggest that the first piece of this actually starts a long time before your kids come out. Kids are aware of everything that's going on around them. You've got little ones, you know they notice everything. Even you think they didn't notice something and then three days later they make a comment about something they saw and you're like, ooh, didn't know they caught that one, mm -hmm. okay? Kids see everything. So they are going to understand if you are a household that is supporting and affirming of the LGBTQIA plus community simply by the way you all have lived your life. You know, if, uh, if a show comes on and there's, you know, a queer character on it, do you quickly turn the channel? When there's a news item about, you know, hope in the, in the bisexual community, do you roll your eyes? Kids pick up on all of this information. So even at a very young age, when you decide to bring children into the world, be aware of the environment you want to set. Be aware that they're going to notice all of this stuff. That right there is the first step towards creating these safer spaces. Important to understand too, that the ideas of gender identity and sexual orientation actually started at a much younger age than most parents imagine. Anywhere between four and eight, a lot of kids have an idea that they may not be the same as the other kids around them. So let's say a kid is assigned male at birth and they suddenly have this really deep understanding that they truly are female. This can happen at these really young ages. The thing that most kids are going to see, oh, the world around me is expecting to be acting in a certain way as a male. So I'm going to put on this mask and I'm going to be this thing that everybody is pressuring me to be, even though I know in my soul it is not authentically who I am. And so kids will put this on because they feel the pressure of the world around them. Gender is created by every one of us and how we interact with the kids in our world. And so as parents, you need to be aware of that as well too. What types of stereotypes are you holding on? onto in your house you know the big one you know boys don't cry it's like well actually most of the men i know who are incredibly emotionally and mentally healthy in their adulthood are men who are willing and able to cry and so we need to look at those gender norms that we're setting up and realize how much they influence our kids as they're developing so that's like ace number one even before any of this you know comes into play and a kid comes out to you what kind of environment are you setting up in the home my kid said something to me i i've I promise he picked this up at school, <laughs> but he was crying and he said, oh, I'm a big boy. He was trying to make himself stop crying. And I was like, what does that mean? Like <laughs> this just happened this week. What does that mean? He was like, I, he was like, I'm a big boy. And I was like, you are a big boy, but what does that mean? And I was like, what, tell me what's up. He's like, I'm not going to cry. And I was like, yes, you are. Cause big boys cry and that's okay. And I think mommy cries, that's okay, you know? And then he continued to cry, but he was trying not to. And I was like, who told you that? And he kind of shut down. I was like, who told you that? He picked it up somewhere. 
yeah. won't just put it on the school, but he definitely picked it up somewhere outside of my care because if someone told him in front of me, big boys don't cry, don't cry. I'm like, ah, uh -uh. no, you don't, <laughs> don't do that. He can cry, let him express himself. And then when he's done, we're going to work through what, why he was crying, but don't tell him to stuff it. That's a right. trigger for me because I was a kid that was told to stuff it. So I'm not going to tell my kids to do that. And then they, they're walking ticking time bombs because they, they don't know how to regulate their emotions. The thing too, though, is coming out is, yes, initiated by your kid, but eventually it is a family process where you as a parent are going to have to understand your depth of feelings about this. If you're partnered, you're going to work with your partner to see if you can both come to a place of support. If not, you need to examine that as well too. If you have other kids, it becomes part of influencing their life. You know, if the older one comes out, the younger one's like, oh, your brother's this or that, you know? So it's about understanding that it is an entire family process. And then how do you bring it out to the extended family? Do you bring it out to the extended family? How does it show up in your involvement in your community? All of these things play out. So when your kid says those magical words to you, you know, hey, I am, that that's just dropping a pebble in the middle of the pond. And it's going to ripple out and it's going to ripple out for the entire lifetime of your kid. And in turn, it's going to keep rippling out for you as well. So that brings me to the common things that you deal with, with helping families, because <laughs> it's a village <laughs> for, for, for many there, there's villages. Some people are just like no contact and we don't got to worry about it. We created our village, but for the, for the majority, there's, there's villages out there and they do care rightfully. So what? The people in their village feel and think and they're considerate and mindful of that so how do you help with that one of the things i think is important is that when your kid comes out to you that's the first step for them they may have come out to other people before and in fact most parents i hate to disappoint you all but they probably come out to a best friend long before they've come out to you okay so you're not necessarily the first person but the thing to understand is when that happens it is changing the paradigm of the family and when this moves forward you need to create a system to be able to check in with your kid and find out what they're comfortable with. Oftentimes you get parents who are like, yay, I'm so supportive, I'm so proud of you, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna call grandma and tell her. And the kid is not ready for that type of expansion yet. So it might be the kind of thing where you check in, it's like, hey, you know, how are things going at school? Is there any extra support you need at school? Are you out at school? What can I help with there? Hey, the, the you know, family holidays are coming up. Who do we want to let know? Or are you not comfortable with that yet? So there's a constant and continuous checking in with your kid because in the coming out process, they should be the driver of the car. They should be the one who says, yes, I want, you know, my cousins to know. But, and this happens, this is a really common thing that I find. A lot of kids don't necessarily want to come out to their grandparents because they don't necessarily think their grandparents will understand it. I try and dissuade them of that. But they also kind of feel it's like, my grandparents are beautiful and wonderful the way they are. I just don't want to throw this wrench into their world. And so a lot of kids actually choose not to come out to grandparents. And once again, you as a parent need to listen to that and understand they've got their reasons for doing it. Follow their lead when it comes to those things. The other thing though about creating a really affirming family place is what I call uh, like family equity. So I have a lot of times like one of the kids will come out and let's say there's an older sibling. And in this case, let's pretend it was a brother. So an older brother who has a girlfriend and in their senior year of high school, the family rule is that she can come over and they can have sleepovers and the family is okay with that. 
Yay. So then the next sibling, let's say it's another boy, comes out as gay. And then in their senior year, they want to have their boyfriend over. And parents freak out. Once again, going back to the idea that they do not understand what a relationship between these two boys looks like because they are probably straight and cisgender. So they can picture it with the older sibling and their girlfriend, but not with the other sibling and, and boyfriend. What I tell parents is this is actually about you and some of your barriers right now, rather than bringing equity into the family rules on how you treat your kids. And I think that's a really important thing for parents to look at that when there are questions about sexual orientation and gender identity, sometimes it pushes a parent's button in a way that's uncomfortable. And so they start altering the rules of how they treat that kid. Like your kids are different. My kids are so different. Elijah is like cautious. Zion is, I'm about to jump off of this <laughs> right now. And I don't care if something is broken. This looks fun. Let me jump. And Elijah's like, hey. You might not want to jump. Something can get broken. And he's like, oh, I'm jumping. I, I recognize that in them early on, like they were totally different as babies. Totally. They're not that old. They're five and two and a half. But I already see the differences in them. But when it comes to like the rules of them, everyone, if one can do it and it's safe, the other one can do it. Like, I'm not going to tell Elijah, go to the park. And Zion, you can't go to the park just because you like to jump off of the stuff. Just, I'm going to tell you, if you go to the park, jump off of the things at the park that were meant for you to jump off of, but you can still <laughs> go to the park, you know, like don't climb to the roof of the school and jump off, but like jump off of the jungle gym. When I hear you speak and I process these things, I just keep thinking about that, that way. Like, you know, it's. I'm not going to say it's simple because I, I can't put myself in other people's shoes, but I will say for me, it's pretty simple, you know, mm -hmm. and I hope that this conversation helps it become easier and simple for families out there, especially in a world where there's an abundance of just misinformation and opinions that can just come at you 24 seven. Yeah. You know, and there's one other thing that I want to just share. I, 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 this is a message that's really important for me for a lot of parents to understand is that when your kid does come out to you, you are going to have a reaction. I think you need to understand and own that. And for a lot of parents, what they actually go through is a, a form of a grieving process. Now, we're not talking about your grieving that your kid came out. What we're grieving is the dream you had for your kid. Because you're a mom, you know, you gave birth, you looked in their eyes, and the first moment you looked in their eyes, you projected forward an entire lifetime for them. Every parent does it, mm -hmm. okay? So when a kid comes out to you and says, hey, I'm non-binary, I'm asexual, that suddenly that dream shatters. And that's what I want parents to understand. It is the dream that is shattering, not your kid. So it's your preconceived ideas of who they would be going through in their life that you now have to reset and meet them where they're at. And so what I do is I tell parents about this process. I say, you need to give yourself space and time to go through this. And I also let the kids know your parent is going through a process You've been contemplating coming out for a long time. You've been exploring this identity. We need to make sure and give them some space as well to go through their grieving process. Doesn't mean they love you any less, but they have to go through some emotional stuff themselves too. So what are some misconceptions, if any, that you would like to address today? 
<laughs> you can pick oh. your top your top two. What would they be? Well, that's such an interesting question. Misconceptions, I think, for parents, especially of LGBTQIA plus kids. Oh yeah, here we go. So my mom, when I came out to her, my family was very supportive of the process. But one of her misconceptions, she's like, "Well, I'm really concerned about you finding someone. Will you be able to find someone to love?" And I was just like, "That is such an odd question. Why wouldn't I be able to find someone to love? I'm a pretty amazing person." But a lot of parents, when their kid comes out to them, project this this feeling of like, "Oh, you're going to be an outcast. You're going to be lonely. You're not going to be able to find relationship and partnership." On those things that a lot of us seek in this world, you're not going to find the success you are because this identity is going to hinder you. And if I can be an example of the fact that it has never hindered me, it is a part of who I am. It's in the fabric of who I am. It is how I walk through the world. I've been in a relationship. My husband and I have been together 21 years. I'm a successful therapist, author, speaker in the world. That all of those ideas of what you think your child may have to experience. That's your projection, not their lived experience. So I would just encourage parents if you kind of start walking down that because it was the funniest thing that came out of my mom's mouth. Like, well, are you ever going to find anyone to love? It's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so know that your kid. This is just an aspect of who they are, and when they come out, it's going to be the number one thing about who they are for quite a while. It is. It's part of the developmental process of coming out. So if I come out to you as lesbian. Being lesbian is going to be the number one thing on the list of how I identify identify myself for a while. But then, as life goes on, maybe I'll become like you know a scholar or a musician or a community volunteer, and the piece of identity will actually integrate more as a piece of who I am rather than the leading identity piece of me. And so, parents just know right when they come out, it's going to be number one. It's going to be everything that they are. But over time, it's going to integrate in this fully realized person, and that my queer identity is just one aspect of all that I bring to this world. That's beautiful. That's really dope, actually. <laughs> I have to ask you the big show question, but I can't ask it yet because this was like a question that I felt like in this episode, and all my listeners know, like the big show question is like my favorite, most important. I've dubbed it my favorite, most important question in the package. But this is like one for me too because. I want to know, like, what's your vision for the future of what you do and intentional parenting, especially in this context? So, for me, that vision would have parents moving away from fear and anxiety, moving away from the words of hate and vitriol that are being thrown out in the world towards my community right now, and live in a place of love and affirm their children and support them every step of the way. To be incredibly excited when their kid comes to them and says, "I'm gay," and it's like, "Oh my God, that's so amazing! I can't wait to see the life you lead." And to join them in projecting forward a life of success and love rather than. One based on fear and anxiety. I have a vision of a world where I, my husband and I, are just that really nice couple next door, rather than something that we have to think about. Or how do we interact? Or do we approve of them? Do we not approve of them? And to be in a world where everybody understands that you actually already know someone who's part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Your attitude and action in the world. Is what sets up whether or not they've been comfortable letting you know that. So my vision is that we have a place where that that community, those identity pieces, can be shared openly and loved.
Yeah, I know it's a big vision. <laughs> that's a good big and world vision. Peace. That's a good big vision, though. <laughs> and that's why I do this work. That is why I do this work. Because if one person listening today is able to open their heart and their soul and love their kid with beautiful, powerful affirmation, then that has made a change. And that's a step towards that vision. Mm -hmm. That ripple effect that I love to talk about on this show, everyone. And I feel like that was the perfect lead in to the big show question, which is what does selective hearing mean to you? You know, it's so cool that you actually let us know this question ahead of time. Because just like you said, you thought about some stuff. I really thought about that question. And so I'm a yoga teacher as well. I do a lot of mindfulness work. And for me, selective listening is about discernment. It's about knowing that when someone is sharing and speaking with us, often we're hearing that through all the filters of our life story and our lived experience and the little baby bit of knowledge that we have. And by learning to listen with discernment, we can start to take in more information. We can choose when something pushes against us to say, well, let me take a breath and let me actually embrace that and learn about it rather than being reactive and fearful towards it. So for me, selective hearing is about discernment and learning how to listen more carefully. You guys heard, did you guys hear that? I mean, hear, I like to make sure I'm very intentional using the word hear and not listen. Did you hear what he said? I hope you did because I did. And please let everyone know where they can get your book first and then um, how they can contact you if anyone in their family needs to use your services. So to contact me, the best way is through my website, which is johnsovec.com, J-O-H-N-S-O-V-E-C.com. You can also check my other website, which is gayteentherapy.com. And of course, I'm on social media. Instagram is John Sovec Therapy. Uh, to find the book. So yes, it is on Amazon. You can find it there. You can buy it there. And I also encourage you, if you have a local bookstore, to order through them because local bookstores are magical. They are places where I go and I learn about life in so many ways and see opportunities to explore that I've never imagined simply by walking in a local bookstore. Support your local bookstore. Mm -hmm. I just had another guest that was talking about local bookstores. This is crazy. She was talking about her book, but she was just talking about local bookstores and supporting them. So Make sure you do that, everyone. And always, this information will be in the show details and on the resource page at selectivehearingshow.com. So if you don't click the drop-down tag in the show notes, you can always go to my website. And John will have his big, beautiful picture next to a button that says John Sovac website. And all you have to do is just click it, and it'll take you directly to him and ask him any questions that you need to help you and your family along the way. So John, thank you for being here with me today. I really, really was looking forward to this conversation and enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It's been a joy hanging out with you today. And everyone, I will be back next week. So until next time, this is Selective Hearing. <laughs>